Hey guys, on today's episode, we are going to be discussing realization rates, how to get more glass on the roof from all the cells that you've done. We have Diego Facer, Thomas Moffitt, and Jace Wright on, and these are the highest performing reps in each organization in the company right now with retention ratios. Diego, I love Diego's story because he sold 50 last year, had 26 of those installed, so he had a 50% realization rate. Well, this year in 2022, he's at an 85% realization rate. So he's improved 35%. That's definitely a massive learning curve, and he's figured out some things. Stoked to get into what Diego has to teach us. Thomas Moffitt last year, I can't believe it, for a rookie, had a 70% realization rate. He sold 72 and installed 50. The dude is a freaking beast. This year in 2022, he sold 39 and has 31 installs or 31 so far set to install. So he's looking at like he'll be a 78% realization rate. And then last year, Jace had an 85% realization rate as a rookie, sold 32 and had 27 of those installed. This year, he's only had three canceled. So all three of these guys are freaking studs. They know what they're talking about. Let's jump into it. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Sauce Podcast. Super stoked about today's episode. We're going to be talking about realization rates, basically how to have the most of your deals uh, get glass on the roof, so how to have a higher install ratio, less cancels. Uh, People throw it around in different words, right? People can talk about cancels, realization rates, or retention. I like to focus on retention and realization rates. It's more of a positive word, something that you're striving to have. I think if you put too much focus on the canceling part, that's what you're going to get. And so, uh, so stoked to have Thomas Moffat on, Jace Wright, and Diego Facer. These are the most solid reps in the company as far as having the highest realization rate. So these are the OGs right here. Thanks, guys, for coming on. Thanks for having us, Brennan. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So just quick intro on this topic is when I was looking into uh, transitioning into solar, I was still looking at different offers that I had and still on the fence about starting a solar company. And I wanted to solve the problem, like what's the biggest problem in solar? And one of the biggest problems that I quickly noticed when I was sitting down uh, with the finance team of one of the biggest companies in the space right now was they, they told me it's getting glass on the roof. And they told me that they were getting anywhere from 45 to 52% of the sales would, would actually follow through. And very quickly in my business mind, I mean, it's just business 101. If only f- half of the jobs that you sell are making it, something's wrong, right? That's not normal in any other industry. And so that stuck out like a red flag. So coming in, into this from day one, that's something that I wanted to solve. And so, you know, I just get going in the sales process and, I think my first year install ratio was probably 60%. I mean, it wasn't anything great, right? And so very quickly I realized I'm going to have to do something different that I've already been doing 
to fix this and I'm going to have to be really intentional about it. And I'm sure all you guys have, have done that. And so we just want to go through a, a list of questions to see how you guys have approached your game and get your tips and tricks and ultimately your secret sauce. And, and so let's, let's just start about your guys' journey. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Did you guys naturally start selling with a high retention rate or did you struggle at first and you had to put some work into it like I did? Big time struggle. Okay. Tell us about that. Um, last year, I'm pretty sure last year, my realization rate was about 50%. So it was okay. with that market average. And so yeah. to think about it, it's like, that's, that's a lot of deals, a lot of money that's left on the table right there on where half sure. more than half the work's already done. And we're going to talk about that too. Like you, there, all this work goes into it, right? All this studying, all this practicing, all these door approaches, pulling the deal, the proposal, everything. And then when you're in that moment, it's tempting just to get signatures and bounce and get that euphoric high of like, dude, I just made five grand, whatever. But it's really about just making sure you can cross the T's and dot the I's and do everything right, right there in the moment. Uh, what about for you, Thomas and Jace? Did you guys start off with good ratio or did you have to go through a learning curve as well? There was definitely a learning curve. Um, I think I started like last spring, so during the summer, it like hit me. I think at my first like 10 deals, five of them canceled like right off the bat. Yeah. So it was definitely, <laughs> it was a wake up call. I got to step up my game. I'm sure if you're a new rep, you can relate to this. Like that first deal, I can remember the one that I'm like, okay, I'm not doing this ever again. Is a 10 kilowatt and they canceled it. And I was just so sick to my stomach. I thought I was going to throw up. And so I'm like, dude, I got to go to the drawing board. So here's one of the first tips. If you're listening to this podcast that you can write down, take away, make a list of every single customer that cancels and, and list why they canceled right next to it. And then figure out what you can do to try and fix that in the future. And that alone will help you so much because you go through all this work, you have multiple thousands of dollars on the table. And it's like, you can't lose that, man. What about you, Jace? Um, yeah, I mean, last year, uh, starting off, I remember my first cancel as well. It was actually technically a guy that he never even signed loan docs, but I counted them as a sale instead. Uh, anyway, and I was so stoked when I counted them. And then three days later, he's like, yeah, I can't sign these loan docs. I'm sorry. And I was just like heartbroken. I had to tell Carson, I didn't get the clothes. <laughs> like he had to cancel. I was like, so sad about it. I just remember yeah. that feeling thinking the same thing, like you said, Brandon, where I'm like, I never want to feel this feeling again. I never want to feel like I had an opportunity to help somebody get solar, but also make really, really, really good money and not yeah. actually like get to take advantage of that. So that's kind of the definition of the solar coaster. If you're new and you're like, man, why do they call it a solar coaster? Well, you, you have the highest highs that you'll probably ever feel in your lifetime. Like if you've ever closed two or three in a day, it's hard to describe that to somebody that's not in sales, right? Potentially to make 15 grand in a day like that, that just doesn't happen. On the inverse though, you probably have never felt what it's like to lose five or 10 grand in a day either. And that can be so hard to deal with. So one of the things I want to start off with, let's talk about expectations. What do you guys do differently with expectations that you think has helped you to have a higher ratio? Um, I'm happy to jump in. Um, so for me, 
like something that I feel like I realized really quickly last year um, was that like if it wasn't glass on the roof, it wasn't money in the bank, right? We're all pretty aware of that. So sure. um, I would like number one, once I sold the deal, it was as if I was freaking, I was married to that deal. I was married to the customer. Like we were in a relationship and I was committed all the way through whether they liked it or not. And so I would obsess over my pipeline management. That was like number one to me. I was making sure I was calling Chad Vogel on the daily, like, hey, what's this deal got to do to get to the next step? Like, how do we have to get so-and-so from permit to install? Like, that's my biggest goal because if it's not getting installed, I'm not getting paid. And I think we're all, we've all kind of been in the same shoes where we've seen, you know, you know, the people that are just like office girls at these install companies, they don't really feel the same way we feel about our customers. They get paid paid an hour. Yeah. They get paid that hourly rate and it doesn't matter to them if they might fumble the ball every once in a while. And so we're like obsessed with the idea of us getting installed. And so my pipeline management was number one for me. That's huge. So if you're a new rep, you're listening to this, don't have an expectation that it's your just job to sell the deal. And once it's sold, it's up to the installer to do everything else. That's the worst way to look at it. It's your job to babysit that thing and make sure that that makes it to glass on the roof a hundred percent. And it's so funny because I was just talking to one of our install partners last week and they called me and they're like, yo, this one rep, he's one of your best sellers, but the dude just never responds. Once he sells an account, he moves on and all of his accounts are missing signatures or utility bills or whatever. And like, I just don't think he realizes that it's still his job to make sure that this makes it. And so what you said is huge, Jace. What about customer expectations and how you guys talk about either timelines or experience or anything that you guys have there that could be considered secret sauce for you? Yeah, I know. I'll jump in. I know um, I know a lot of guys will tell customers, you know, you know, they'll kind of compete and on install times, like we can get in really fast. We, you know, we can do a four week install or, um, glass will be on the roof in four or five weeks. Um, I try to set like a 10 to 12 week expectation with the homeowner. And, yeah. Um, if it's sooner then great. Um, usually they're not bugged that it's too soon. Usually they're, they get frustrated when it's, you know, double or triple what you told them. For sure. And there's that temptation to try and blow their mind. Cause yeah. we know what the standard is, but they don't even know what the standard is. The homeowner has no idea if the solar installs like four weeks or eight weeks or 12 weeks. So I always think it's so funny that reps chase a superficial thing to try and blow their customers' minds and they could say two or three months install and they just don't know any better. Right? Yeah. I've, I usually say 10 to 12 weeks. Um, and that's pretty consistent with the market I've, I've, I've been in. I've never had a homeowner tell me that that's like too long or that, a different solar company down the street is, you know, they're, they said it, you know, they could install in four to six weeks. So I've actually totally. issues about it. Then you set yourself up, right? Like kind of my rule of thumb there, the principle is anything that I can save for later is actually more valuable than now. And so if I can call them later and say, you know, what? I told you guys 10 weeks, they're actually ready. And it's only been four or five, like that's sick. You just surprised them. You under promise over delivered. And so that's what I mean by like saving anything for later is that's a big thing. Anything else you can think of with customer expectations? I, I got something that I found out this year helped me a lot was um, understanding that back end process for your installer, what goes on. 
For example, I know the guy that does all our site surveys. I, I found out through this year that our installer actually sends an email with a breakdown. And so I give them specific names. I tell them, hey, Nate is the guy that's going to come. He drives a white forerunner. I say Olivia is going to send you an email that has a lot of the timelines we talked about. And uh, basically, you know, just make it seem like I'm the guy. And then I just set the expectations of if you have questions, it's totally normal. You can contact them. But honestly, don't hesitate to call me. Shoot me a text. That's best. And I just open the door for I know things are probably going to come up. Yeah. When it does, you can call me. And I have plenty of customers, they reach out, they say, hey, this came up, could you clarify this? Yeah, totally. And then there's no issues. And I think understanding what your installer does on the back end makes it a little bit easier so they don't get surprised when, you know, there's another document down the road that has to get filled out. Like we, we have to do our interconnection agreements after site survey. Yeah. So setting up proper expectations like that. Whereas if you don't say it, you know, last year I lost a lot of deals because... You know, I never really prefaced it because once again, I was like, I signed the deal. My job is done on to yeah. the next. Um, and so understanding that and really laying it out and letting them know that, hey, I really know the process and I'm here for you to help you through it. Sure. And one thing I'm going to add into that, and I, I'm glad you brought this up, Diego, is I would always tell people where I lived because you have to put yourself in their shoes. Like a guy just comes to their door. They've never met in their life signs them up, takes their social, their credit, whatever, bank information, and then leaves. Like, they want to know that you're a local, that you're going to be in touch with them, that you're not going anywhere. Like, so I would always say, look, I just live two miles down the road, wherever I was living. You know, I tell them this street name. I can always buzz right by here. Just text me. I'm right here. Like, and those were comforting words to let them know. And I could just see it physically, like their whole expressions change of like, okay, we're okay. You know, cause we've all seen that look in the face when you sign somebody up and you're getting ready to leave and they're like, uh, what just happened? Like, is this cool? Is it not like, are we scared? You know what I mean? And so I always think just telling them where you live is a big thing too. Totally. Anything else yeah. you guys can think of with customer expectations? Yeah. I was going to say, um, for those of you who have uh, seen or not seen, um, Brandon has a video on the Google Drive. I don't think it's on 25 Day Training, but on Google Drive, it's called Brandon's Closing Steps. And last year, that was my saving grace. I listened to it, watch it uh, twice a day, every day, if, if as much as I could. Um, number one, because it focuses on value, right? Teaching us how to sell on value, not on price, which is the, the biggest selling factor for getting more deals. and being able to solidify your clothes. Um, but number two, he has one quote in there that I've taken away and I've applied to every single clothes that I get, which I feel like has a, a, a huge benefit to me. But um, every time I'm like about to walk out of the house, I've uh, got their utility bill, I've scheduled the site survey, um, I've done the ACH, I've done everything. And I say, great, we're pretty much finished. Um, just keep in mind, they're gonna come on Tuesday for the site survey. After that, it's going to be a little quiet for a couple of weeks. It's going to be quiet. I just, I emphasize it's going to be quiet. The reason why is because they're doing the site survey, they're building your design, they're submitting for permit, and then they're just going to schedule that install. If you don't hear anything, all that means is they're doing hard work in the background and it's actually a good thing. Um, if they're reaching out to you, they're going to reach out to you because they might have any questions or problems or things we need to fix. But in the meantime, if you don't hear anything, um, don't stress. Don't freak out. You can call me. I'm your, here's my cell phone. Give, give me a call if you have any questions. Yeah. Jace, thanks for bringing up. That's awesome, dude. 
And you can tell why Jace is successful. He's a student, man. We're <laughs> studying. That's what it takes, right? Learn from the so, goat, man. <laughs> not me, but let's transition into the home. Why do you guys feel like it's such a temptation to try and rush out of there and not get everything that you need to get before you leave? We're making a bank run. <laughs> <laughs> Getting That's money true. in the bag. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you guys do differently there? Because this is a, a big theme. You guys know when you're new, you feel the pressure. You're nervous. There's so much going on. Like, you just want to bounce, right? So what have you guys done differently that's helped you there? Yeah, um, I think what's really really important is just selling a clean deal before you leave the home. So <clears throat> I think a lot of um, a lot of what we do on a daily basis is working towards just getting that close. And really a close is just signing documents. It's just the customer agreeing to work with us, but it's not um, just because you sign documents doesn't mean they're set up to actually get solar. So um, I think just selling, um, making sure you have the utility bill, the site survey scheduled, you know, they're on ACH, you've got any stipulations. I think that's really, that's really tough to get all that after you sign the deal and maybe it's, you know, a two, three hour sit at this point, And you're like, oh man, I don't know if I want to, you know, sit here for another 30 minutes and ask for the first page of their utility bill. Like yeah. we've talked for the last three hours, like the setter should have gotten that, you know, yeah. I can just swing by next week and get it. And then we kind of, we kind of dip. So true. Or you think that they're, they're done, right? Like, yeah. I don't want to bug them anymore, but it's like, dang, the chance of you coming back and getting what you got to get is so low, right? Yeah. So I think if you can, um, if reps just focus on making sure they have everything possible before they leave the home, um, yeah. it'll eliminate any pending tasks in the future. So, yeah. So that's, that's another tip. If you're listening to this or watching it, do not leave the house until you have freaking everything at all costs get everything before you leave don't ever have a mindset of going back don't think about getting to the next door you're in that door that matters and you got to take care of business so get everything before you move on anything else on that i don't uh, even like getting things done like like after the fact like if i've got their driver's license i'm gonna upload it to any while i'm in their house so i don't forget to do it tomorrow totally. or you i mean esp requires us to actually send them the utility bill before we can even schedule the site survey which is clutch yeah helps us we not to schedule that and know that we're doing it right so it's interesting i think a big thing that i've noticed between rookies and vets is when you're a rookie you're sensitive to the customer's time and when you're a vet it's not that you don't care but to what you just said jace you're like I'm going to do whatever I need to do on the account right now. And I'm just going to make sure it's done like at yeah. the expense of the customer really. But that's, what's really going to get the customer solar is that too. So you just kind of settle in and you're like, I don't care if I'm here for two or three hours. Like we're getting the scene taken care of. To, to back up off of a, a point you guys mentioned earlier, similar to like homeowners don't know install times, homeowners don't know how long that final process of the close takes either. Um, when I was setting for me that, that moment of like getting the bill and scheduling, I was like, this needs to be the smoothest process because they don't know how long I'm there for. And I think it yeah. applies to the close as well. Like the moment that, that we start filling things out, that's when I need that to be as smooth as could be. And I, I, I think it takes time to get good at that. But once you know everything you need 
and just be really efficient with it. I don't want them to think that I'm like some newbie, like, uh, do I need this? Do I need that? I'm tell I'm like demanding things quick. As I'm signing with the wife, I'm telling the husband to go get IDs and he's doing That's that. Legit. She's getting the bill. Um, and so I think just letting it known, like, Hey, I do a lot of these, maybe not like, you don't have to tell them that always, but yeah. just, they can see that like you're an expert and then being fluent with that process, making that process simple. Cause they don't, they don't know if, if they got to sit there for 30 minutes and sign documents. If yeah. we're quick with it, we can be done with that part in five minutes, but they don't know that. That's so true, man. It brings so much credibility to you. If you can just take charge and and uh, be professional in your craft, right? Just like you're saying, like, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in your deal, Diego, just to watch you like, okay, guys, now we're going to need this. I need you to go grab this while he's grabbing that. I need you to go <laughs> grab this and I'll work on this. Like they know that you're doing a ton of business if you can look like that and actually own it, right? Yeah. So that, that's the way to go. There's two, um, I guess two points I do at the end of every deal as well. I try to not like finish a deal on a signature shake a hand and walk out. Um, I want to like almost distract them a little too. Um, so like one thing I learned too is like, I never say thank you. I know that sounds kind of rude, but yeah. Um, if they, they're like, Hey, thanks for helping us out. So you're welcome. And then I always to like button up my clothes at the end. I have two tie down questions that I ask every homeowner. And this is where I've been able to identify if I've really sold them or not. And I've literally signed people and like repitch them on some things just to solidify even more. Cause I'll ask them, um, I'll say, hypothetically, I snap my fingers, panels are on the roof. And I get them to visualize the scenario. I'm like, you're here in your living room. And a year from now, the utility company knocks on your door and they want you to rip the panels off. What do you tell them? And this is where I gauge how much I really sold them. So for wow. example, I had a deal this year where I asked them that and he said, well, if the utility company gave me a good deal, I don't know, maybe. And guess what? That guy actually ended up canceling. Canceled. He canceled. Yesterday, I signed a deal and I asked him this. And the wife's response was, well, um, to, well, they told, they said no to that question. So they were like, oh, of course not. We would never do that. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. They verbalized that, well, we're not going back to the utility company. That's not an option. The second question I ask is, Okay, so say the next door neighbor comes over, knocks on your door and said, what's the main reason you went solar? What would you tell him? Mm. And yesterday the wife said, I would tell him to save money. And I'm like, okay, she gets it, but maybe not to the full extent. And the husband said, he said the same, I would tell him for the same reason that I only rented an apartment for a year before I bought wow. this. It's stupid Dude, to rent. It. I saw the same thing. So when he said that, I was like, this is a done deal. Done deal. It's set in stone, and then and then I'm I'm onto the referral stage. Sick. So yeah, you got doing tie downs like renting. that. Yep, dude, those are two huge bombs. If you're listening, like I wish I would have had that. That's sick, Diego. Super stoked on that. One more stat on this subject is one of our install partners right now. Fifty five percent of every single deal sold right now by the time they're ready to schedule install is still missing signatures or utility bill, 55%. So when we talk about longer installs and cancellations, realization rate, it's because of what we just spoke about. People are not buttoning up everything that they need while they're in the house and it ends up costing them. So uh, transitioning into pipeline management, this part's big. 
And again, when you're new, you don't do it. You sign it up, you toss it over the fence, you move on to the next one, right? And this is what separates rookies from the vets. So guys, talk to us about pipeline management and what you guys do here. Um, like I said earlier, I, I just obsess over it. Um, I'm looking at my pipeline every single day. I, my, my pipeline before anybody else's, before anybody on my teams, just that's my priority. If I'm not getting paid, nobody else is either. Um, so I look at my pipeline every single day, just double check that I don't have any jobs on hold or what I need to do to get jobs off hold, whether it's, you know, signatures or customers have weird questions or complaints. I literally have like a customer the other day just called in and said, Hey, I just want to put the job on hold. And ESP was like, okay. And I had no idea why. So I had to call and get that resolved and work with uh, the installer to figure out what we could do to get them off hold. But um, yeah, just doing that on a daily basis in the mornings, like ideal, because that's when our installer will send out updates on our, our deals and let us know like where our deals are at, which is awesome. But yeah. that's when I'm doing that is first thing in the morning, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, just figuring out what, where my deals are at, what I have to do to help them get to the next step. Perfect. I would do mine at lunch. I, I never went to lunch with anybody else and it wasn't that I was antisocial. It's just like I might only have 20 or 30 minutes and that's when I'm going to go through my list of every single customer that's been sold and not installed yet to make sure if I need to send a text, if I need to give an update, if I need to check in on anything. So I, sometimes I didn't have quite an hour, but uh, lunch was my secret sauce there. What about you, Thomas or Diego? Um, one thing I do is I, I keep my pipeline on a separate um, outside of my installer. So I'll write the customer down in a, in an Excel spreadsheet, all my customers, system size notes, everything. Um, I just like, I don't trust the installer to give me accurate data every day. Yeah. <laughs> They're motivated to get the deal through. So, um, every day I'll go through all my customers, even the ones that have installed. Um, I'll go through all my customers and figure out the ones that, um, would, yeah, are waiting on anything, any pending tasks or anything that might come up um, with that customer in two weeks once they get the design or um, anything like that. So I'd recommend rookies keep, you know, their pipeline on a separate sheet or database or something. Sure. Especially if you're working with a couple installers, um, it's hard to go through each, you know, each platform and figure out where your deals are at. 100%. I agree with that. Would anything else you'd add, Diego? I, I would say that exact same thing just makes it super easy to organize. And then if anything does have issues or things, I have it in those notes and I put it in my top priority, my quadrant one, and I make sure to get it done. Cool. Let's talk about types of communication. So you're doing your pipeline management. What's your different styles that you guys have? Do you guys like to check in once a week? Do you go more the silent route what uh method do each of you guys follow there um yeah i was gonna say for me um in my opinion like if it's not a priority it, it's never been a priority in their life before this point it shouldn't need to be a priority going forward as much as a priority as much of a priority as, as it is to us sorry i kind of yeah. stumbled there um yeah. so at the end of the day like at the end of my close, I'm trying to minimize the process. I'm trying to make it seem as small and the, the smallest deal, like it's not a big deal. Like don't stress, don't freak out. Like I'm just here to help type thing. But at the end of the day, like there's a lot of different uh, styles when it comes to this, where people are texting their, their customers once a week, twice a week to up update them along the process. 
for me, I'm just like, Hey, hands off completely. Like no communication as far as like, I'm, I don't need to tell them, you know, the design, I don't need to tell them about the permit. Like the install company is, or should be doing that a lot of the times. And if it's yeah. on their mind, it's, it's on their mind to potentially cancel as well. And so if it's just, Oh, that's already been four weeks and we're already getting scheduled to, in, to install. That's awesome. I'm stoked about that because it was out of sight, out of mind. They weren't thinking about it. Sweet. Love it. And I would say my style was very similar to Jace's and I would do that. That was my rule. I would say the exception though, and you guys know the customer I'm talking about, the really high strung, they want to know every little detail. Then I would flag those ones. And then in my power hour, you know, I'd reach out to those ones because I knew that they were going to call me anyways. So I'd just reach out and try and beat them to the punch. But most of the time I would follow that style, but there's multiple ways and styles of doing it. So what about you, Diego? I'm the exact same. Um, okay. I believe that if you sell it correctly, you tee everything up right, you shouldn't have to be texting them every week. And unless I'm mining referrals or going golfing with them, they don't hear yeah. from me. Cool. Awesome. Thomas? Um, similar. Yeah. When I leave the home, I'll usually tell them. I'll give them my business card and say, here's my phone number, email. This is my you know cell phone, so it's not some you know customer service line. You can reach out. Yeah. Um, I'll tell them, I'll say, you know, I'm super busy with a lot of your neighbors. So if you call me, always feel free to call me. But if I don't answer, leave me a message. I'm just meeting with your neighbor and then I'll call you back after. So I, I've, um, I'll communicate with my home, my customers, but I don't typically reach out to them only when they reach out to me, but then I'm super responsive. So they feel like, you know, they're a priority, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't typically like send them, you know, emails or texts on a weekly basis. I don't want to. Um, overwhelm them let me give two tips on this topic right here let me save you thousands of dollars the first is as long as you let them know that quiet is good that's a good thing i've personally lost deals over quiet because people freak out and they thought nothing was happening that we forgot about them and so you just have to let them know that if it's quiet that's a good thing that means everything's happening that should be if i'm calling you something might be wrong so that's the first tip and then the second tip would be if you are walking away from that home expecting a phone call of a cancellation or all, always wondering when they're going to call to cancel, you're selling that deal the wrong way. And I think what you'll learn from the vets right here on this podcast is by how they conduct themselves, how they set up everything in the house, how they set expectations, how they sell it, they're okay with it being quiet because they know they did their job and everything's set up correctly. And uh, so... Just know that's like a gut check to see if you're doing things right or, or the wrong way. Let's talk about, or anything. I was going to say real quick. There? Yeah. I would say, don't get me wrong. Like every time after a close in the next couple of weeks, if I'm getting a phone call from a customer, my heart's beating. I'm like, Oh no, I'm, I, I've lost the deal. Sure. Like this one's gone. I had one, she was scheduled for install for yesterday and she called me on Monday and I was like, Oh, like it's bad news like right before install i was super stressed but she was like hey they're doing it on wednesday right i was like yep she's like okay just double checking i was like sounds good so um still awesome. happens don't get me That's wrong cool. like just for because sure. we've done it for a long time and have good rates doesn't mean it's you know not stressful so still stressful yeah you just want to minimize that as much as you can yeah so let's talk about uh selling it the correct way now that we're it, it kind of led to that um what is the correct way like how do you know if you're selling it a wrong way versus a right way 
I'll I'll jump on for this one because when going into this year with what my my realization rate is currently, I believe it or not, like I didn't really, I guess you could say, train super hard on doing that in the off season. I invested in selling more. Like my goal was, I wanted to sell more deals. Yeah. Um, and I invested in coaching that ultimately led to me selling my diff- deals a little bit differently. And it just happened to be a byproduct that by doing so, they were sticking a lot more. Um, Ultimately, like what I believe selling a deal correctly means is understanding how people buy. Because I know we've all had deals where they call the cancel and they say, you know, I just can't get over the idea of the the fact that it's like a loan. And you're like, dude, I talked to you about this. Like we crushed this in the sale. And for, sure. for some reason, like when they call back with the objection, it's like they've solidified it. So it's, it's even harder the second time to do it. And so the way that I view like everyone I deal with is you have people that are easy buyers and hard buyers. You guys have probably noticed there's some people that you can tell them, you know, it's a fixed rate and it's, you know, cheaper than their current average. And they're like, done deal. Let's make it happen. And there's someone that you can give them all the pros and the one con is enough to hold them back from doing it. And the way I visualize this, and this comes from Jordan Buffer, if you imagine like a teeter-totter with a fulcrum, some people's fulcrums is to far to the left or far to the right, which is what leverages their, basically whether they're an easy sell or a hard sell. Now, the way we sell people is emotionally, which means that you have to move that fulcrum so that they can tip the scale and buy the thing is, is that a lot of the selling we do when we move that fulcrum, we're moving it. And then when we leave, because it's not a today to tomorrow process, that fulcrum moves back, those doubts flood back and they cancel. So For my sure. biggest focus was, okay, how can I keep that? How can I move that so I can tip the scale? And then how can I make sure that that stays there? And the way I did that was realizing that people don't want to be sold they want to buy, but more importantly, if you convince someone and tell someone to do that, do something emotionally, like you can get people bought in and they'll do it. But I don't know if you guys have ever had an experience where you start to like, for me, it was like, for example, cars, like something that I don't need, but I see one and I start to convince myself all the reasons why I should buy that car. And it's like, I sell myself on it. I think that um, when you transition from a problem solver to a problem finder, you help them identify the problems, you you present the pain, and then I tee up, I do a lot of question-based selling where they start to vocalize all the reasons why they should go solar. And when they start to say it themselves, then they are solidifying in their mind the reasons that they should do it. And typically because of that, when I get to the end of the sale, we minimize the objections or there are none. And it just solidifies the deal because they've told me, they've sold to me why they should do it. And so I've kind of eliminated a lot of traditional sales tactics that create sales resilience and it opens it up. Um, Basically they, like I said, they just, they tell me why they should do it. And when they can tell me and I can see that they understand kind of like you said, Brandon, when they see it as more than just the price and saving a little bit of money, um, cause the market I'm in, people aren't saving 50, 60, 70 bucks a month. I, yeah. you know, a lot of the people I, I sell, they're paying more to go solar. 
and it's partly because I'm not willing to cut my prices, but you sell them on the value and you do that correctly and they have no reason to cancel after the fact. Um, that's kind of like that's ultimately huge. how it's, yeah. And Diego, I'm looking at you three, your faces right now. And I think I just had a big realization and this is in my opinion, I think the biggest reason why you three have the highest install ratio is your personalities are very, very similar. And, and I'm not meaning this in a bad way. So I hope you guys take this as a compliment. If any three of you were in a room, you're not going to be the flashy, charismatic, sneaking one past type of sales guy. Like you guys would never come across as that. You guys, all three, I can, I can straight up give you this very sincere compliment. All three of you are very good listeners. And that's a very hard skill set to develop as a salesman because people naturally think they should be talking the whole time and teaching the whole time, right? If you ask me one of my secrets of getting a high realization rate, it's because I think I'm a good listener and I'm willing to let the customer talk and arrive at that decision that I want them to get to without me doing it for them, right? And so your type of personality is somebody that I would buy from because I could feel like with any one of you three that we could have a conversation, you're going to genuinely listen to me and I'm going to listen to you. If anybody at the mall or comes to my house or on the phone and they're just talking the whole time, talking at me, like I already blocked them out and they mean nothing to me. You know what I mean? And I think that's what happens to a lot of people is their personalities. They have a strong sales guy in the house that that guy steamrolls them and then they just plan on canceling the next couple of days because they got forced into something that they didn't want to do anyways, but they're not strong enough to stand up and cancel it. Right. But with you guys, you can let them get there on their own. And now that they bought everything that you just said, Diego, but besides the fact, I think that how you, how you're con how you conduct yourself, how your personalities are, it's a very mutual thing as well that they're getting involved and they're part of that whole conversation the whole way. And that's just my perspective of you, you three. I think that what you're really good at is just with your personalities. I think you guys, that helps you a ton naturally in your uh, retention ratios. My wife disagrees for some reason. I'm not sure why. (laughs) (laughs) So one thing Diego brought up is value. And one of our reps called me this week and he said, Brandon, people are coming from behind us. They're still in our deals. I feel like I'm dropping the price a lot and uh, we're competing hard on price. And I'm like, dude, it's not price. It's value. And we start talking about that. And he's like, yeah, that makes sense. I knocked on this guy's door and I was beating the contract price by $10,000. And he said, I don't care. I trust the guy that we signed up with and they do a really good job. And it's like, boom, that's the bomb, right? Is if you guys look at all the great companies that we probably all consume. I'm sure all four of us have Lululemon pants, right? I'm sure all four of us are Tesla fans. Diego has a Tesla. I have a Tesla. I know all of us are probably StockX fans. All of us probably have an iPhone. So you look at all those companies, Tesla, Apple, Lulu, are any of those the cheapest product in their category? No. They're not, right? And you look at any brand that you like, it's probably not competing on price. So why do you try and compete on price? If you're listening to this and you're new, you're probably trying to compete on price. It's actually, this is business 101 and sales 101. 
don't try and have that be your main thing. If that's your main thing in business, you're screwed. It's hard to deliver a really good experience and offer the lowest price. It just doesn't happen. That's why Payless isn't around anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, Nikes aren't the cheapest. And so it's the same in solar, right? Don't be so scared of like, mm -hmm. I'm going to lose a deal because of price. No, where you're going to build your trust is you're going to tell the customer that you're going to perform. You're going to show up. You're going to make sure that everything gets done correctly. Like, hey, I live two miles away and I'm constantly going to be overseeing your account to make sure that the blueprints get done right, that it gets installed right. After the site survey, I'm going to talk to the guys. I'm going to make sure this thing is done right. So I know people are going to come to your door and they're going to offer you a di different price. I used to always share a story. There was a real story that somebody signed up on a lower deal and they butched the install. They put the wrong panels. They put them on the wrong side of the roof. It was all a true story. But I would use that at the end of every deal because this rep asked me, like, what can you say at the end of the deal so that they don't answer the door from other people? And he said um, something along the lines of, I know other guys are going to come by and offer you lower deals. And if you say that, they're already, like, stoked to answer the door for other guys to get better deals, right? He's making it about the deal, about the price. So you can't make it about the price. And that's how I'd kind of anti my customers so that they didn't answer the door from anybody else is like, yo, I'm your guy to make sure that this gets done right. What's that worth to you? That should be worth everything. And so value over price is everything. Any, any thoughts on that stuff, guys? Yeah, I was going to say, um, so it's kind of random. A lot of my like sits or a lot of my closes lately, like at the end, people have been like, they've like looked me in the eye and be like, you think this is a good deal? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm of course I'm going to be honest, but um, the first thing I say, and I actually learned this from uh, shout out to Michael Vasquez, but he does this in his closes. So um, I always say, well, to be honest, I'm not going to promise you that I'm the cheap, cheapest guy on the block. You can find somebody else in town that's going to be able to beat my price. But um, if I were in your shoes, if I were the homeowner looking to purchase solar, um, the first thing that I would want to know is that I'm being taken care of. And one thing that I take pride in is that I'm here taking care of you and building value. And, you know, you're with a, an installer that's going to have your warranties for the full 25 years, not be bankrupt in two years. Um, the manufacturer is going to be around for a long time. I live two miles down the road. You've got my cell phone. You can call me anytime. Um, the number Grant Cardone says this. He says, um, you can go down to the guy down the street. He's going to have a better price. The, dif the biggest difference between them and us is you're not going to have me if you go with them. And so I build a lot of value in myself and what I offer as far as helping them every step of the way and, and helping them know that they're being taken care of. I love that. One thing I used to say to Anti is like, you know, all these kids that just dropped out of school that are going around knocking doors, trying to make some commission off solar. They don't care about the experience. They're just trying to make a quick buck. Like I'm here. And the reason why I'm so busy and why we're doing hundreds of deals every month is because I take care of my customers and we do it the right way. You're about to have these panels on your roof for the next 25, 30 years. You don't want to have some crappy panel installed incorrectly. And then you have all the system that's not even working. Let's make sure that we do it right. And that's what I'm walking you through today is I want you to understand that it's going to be set up correctly from day one. And then I just kind of like planted in their mind, like any other scrub that's going to knock on their doors is some dropout kid that's just trying to make a quick buck, whatever. And then like, I felt like I could protect myself from, Deals getting stolen, and that's what worked for me. Uh, Thomas, Diego, anything else you guys can think of? Um, yeah, no, I, I love all that Chase was saying. I think I, I do a very similar thing. I'll um, I'll kind of 
you know, tell them like, Hey, yeah. If, if they ask me like, is this a good deal? Or, you know, that price seems high. I'll be like, yeah, I mean, you might be able to install it cheaper if you were to do it yourself, but you probably don't want that liability to like hop on your roof, install panels, you know, it could leak stuff like that. So I'll say sure. build that value of, you know, I'll, and that's where I give a business card too when I'm leaving is like, this is my cell phone. I'll tell them like what city I live in. Um, and we'll talk about life just so they feel like um, they're buying me, like me as a, you know, I'm, I'm on their side, me as a partner instead of hundred uh, percent. They're, they're just buying panels. You know, I, That's I don't the view you have to have is yeah. they're buying you. And I think when you're new, because you don't have that confidence yet, you think they're buying price. And yep. Diego, to your point, like once you have that confident, you can sell solar for more than what they're currently paying. Right. That's how to learn in Utah. Everything was more. And so once you make that shift in your mind, you'll, you'll sell more, but you're also going to retain a lot more deals too, that it, they're buying because of value, not price. Right. I think, uh, like something that a new rep could do like today to yeah. put this in practice is, is literally make one quote and that's your quote and you sell whatever your price is. Don't look at I used to look at deals and see like, oh, how much are they going to save? Totally, Can I fluctuate? Totally. Make the quote. That's your quote. Um, another thing that I've said Love to people that. That, that has helped too is like if someone's like, is this a good deal or is this worth it? I'd tell them like, because I technically I've started in the solar industry in 2016 and I've done it in four different states. So I'll tell people I made a conscious decision to be where I am because I know that I can take care of you. And I've seen that like light people up when people realize like, oh, he, he chose to be here. Like he chose to be with this group. Like, yeah, I, I know that I can take care of you. Love that dude. Yeah. In California, I'm so glad you brought it up for domestic. I'd always price it the same price every single time in care, which is just a, a government subsidized energy bill that they could save more. So, um, and I just did the same every time. I think if you're constantly trying to price gouge and see how much I can make off this customer, it's a slippery slope, man. Just standardize it and you'll have way more confidence going into the sale. Yeah, I don't, this year I'm, I'm not tracking any commissions. Last year I had in my like deal sheet with all my deals, I'd have like how much I'm supposed to make. I I have no clue what I make on any of my deals. The, so the checks just roll in and what it is, it is what it is. I'm focused yeah. on the install number. That, I learned that from Hunter Clark and that has been game changer for me. Let's go Hunter. Yeah, Sick. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. I think if you're focusing on the install, like the number of installs, you're going to be hungry to go get that deal installed. Um, yeah. I common um, problem is reps, you know, they sell a couple deals that are 10, 15,000 our commissions and, you know, they sold five or 10. They're like, man, I, you know, I've, I've got a lot of, you know, income coming my way, but that's all it is. It's just, you know, it's, it's on a piece of paper. That's, that's all it is. And they, yeah. they kind of obsess over it. And then, um, they're not, you know, they're not focused on the install. They're just focused on how much they can make per deal, you know, milking. Yeah, or they get that big one. They stop working or yeah. their whole life starts thinking, I hope this one doesn't cancel. And they like put so much weight on that one. And if you don't even know what you're making, you just keep moving on. And it's like, who cares, you know, and you look at good athletes, like whether they make a good shot or throw an interception, good or bad, they just keep moving on. It's just the next play. And that's, that's what you have to do. Uh, Diego, you brought up a point I want to mention if your realization rate is somewhere below 70, 75%, don't focus on selling more. You need to fix the leak that's in the bathtub. 
right? You can turn on and keep pouring more water in, but more water is just going to be going out. So you got more work to do to your game to stop and fill that leak before you focus on more cells. So if you're newer, figure out where your ratio is and uh, focus on the right thing first before you start increasing your cells. And then the other thing, focus on psychology. If you need stuff to listen to as you're driving out to and from area, psychology is so good to what Diego was talking about earlier. People want to buy, they don't want to be sold. That'll help you uh, make so much more money. And so just a good topic to learn in sales. Let's talk about our last topic, which is leaving the house. You just got done. I think we've already made a couple comments about it, but you're all sold. You have everything, let's assume. What are your tips on leaving the house the correct way? I I would say just kind of what I mentioned earlier. I, I want to, you got to make sure all the steps are done. I button up with my two tie down questions. I make a couple jokes, take the pressure off the fact that a sale just happened. For and sure. I say, I'm glad I can help you out. Hopefully, hopefully everything goes through and we'll be in touch. Just simple as that. What you said is key there, right? So we'll refer back to your two points you gave us earlier in the conversation, but jokes, man. Jokes can be worth so much money because they're tense. They're stressed. They're like having a little bit of remorse deep back in their mind. Uh, maybe it could be at the front of their mind, but you need to be able to clear that out and have a normal conversation. So for me, I always try to joke like, so what time are they coming tomorrow on the site oh, survey, yeah. you know, and just kind of joke about that. But I'd also, I needed 10 to 15 minutes of normal conversation outside of solar. That was my secret sauce of like, whatever we bonded at before we started the conversation, if it was their Harley, if it was their sports team, if it was gardening, if it was their kids, we would go back into something and just make sure everything was super light and chill before I left. Cause if you leave and they have that look and you'll know that look, if you've already sold deals, you're freaking screwed. You cannot leave on that. No. Any other tips, Thomas or Jace? Um, I think one thing Diego kind of, there's easy buyers and there's hard buyers. And um, if, if it's an easy buyer, you can crack some jokes, end on a high note and leave and, you know, everything will probably end up just fine. But if it's hard yeah. to know that, um, one thing I'll do, I learned this from Chandler Rust, but um, we'll kind of use the word, I'll use the word like be wary. Like I'll kind of assume that they're going to have questions if they're going to be a hard buyer, because yeah. if they're a hard buyer, they're going to get those emails of the loan documents and they're going to go through it you know, at night or the next morning or the next day and hopefully yeah. hold the deal properly where they don't, you know, they don't have any questions, but some, there's just going to be customers that, you know, they know it's a $60,000 loan, but two days later, they're getting a little nervous. They start reading it again. They have more yeah. questions. So I'll kind of, before I leave, I'll preface, like, it's okay to have more questions. Um, and I'll kind of say, you know, if we, if you do look through any of the documents you know, I recommend it, if you, I might, you know, save them to your computer for when you file for taxes next year. I'll kind of recommend that they look through them so they don't, they don't feel like I'm trying to, um, you know, keep them away from looking at stuff. So I'll kind of encourage it. And then I'll say, um, but if you have any questions, if you read anything that um, stands out to you, I probably just didn't go over it, to, over it because, you know, you're my fifth customer of the day. Um, it's late at night. You know, we've only been here for an hour, hour and a half. So I'll kind of say, if you do have any questions, like, don't feel free to, 
I mean, don't don't um, hesitate. You know, always feel free to reach out to me because um, some of those questions are an easy answer. So totally. And with those hard customers, I've had plenty of deals where either at the end of the sale, after everything's done, I've had to loop back through my pitch a couple times just to make sure that they truly understand it and get it. I've had cancels that I need to go back and go through the whole entire deck two or three more times. And yeah. so I think to expect that on the hard customers is just part of the process. It's a big decision. Sometimes people, so there's a lot to learn and we all know this, but sometimes people need to go through it multiple times till they're finally at rest and like, okay, we're doing this. Yeah. Especially for those hard customers that, um, yeah, those hard customers that will have questions, you can just tell them it's going to be normal for you to have questions. So then when they do have questions, they're not feeling like I need to cancel. They result to, I need to reach out to Thomas or Diego. I need to, I need to get in contact with them and answer my questions instead of calling any of them to cancel. Totally. Well, we kind of gone yeah. through everything that I wanted to go through. Um, I want to be able to ask each of you guys, look, if you had to summarize everything that you know and have learned about your mm -hmm. realization rates and just having that higher percentage, if I said, you know, what's your secret sauce? I want to hear from each of you. So Diego, what's your secret sauce with having a higher realization rate? The secret sauce is to first realize how much you're leaving on the table. Second, be willing to invest into yourself in order to close that gap. The amount I invested in the off season to make up that difference has already paid itself back in multiple by multiple returns. And over the past six weeks, I've installed what took me six months last year to install. So don't be afraid to literally pay to invest to learn how to take care of this because you're leaving too much money on the table to not. That's the best investment you could ever make is in yourself. Diego is such a sick example of that. He puts so much time, money, and effort into himself and it shows. So he definitely, you nailed it, man. Thomas, Thanks. what's your secret sauce with retention? Um, my secret sauce is um, you got to sell a clean deal before you leave the home um, and they have to, they have to buy it. You can't, you can't push it onto them. They have to buy it. Um, you got to sell a clean deal and you, you can't be afraid to or shy away from talking to homeowners um, after you leave the house. If they call you, if they're non-responsive. You just got to show back up on their doorstep, you know, randomly and talk to them just like your, your best friends. Love it. Nailed it. It's, and it takes courage, right? We all know it's scary when the customer calls after you've sold. It's a scary call to answer. It's a scary voicemail to listen to. But you just got to enter the cave that you fear to enter, right? So, Jace, what's your secret sauce with retention? Um, <clears throat> my secret sauce, all I would say is um, kind of like what these guys have just said so far, but also um, making sure that the customer knows that the next couple of weeks it's going to be quiet. I think that's huge as far as minimizing um, their concerns, helping them know that uh, no noise is good noise. Um, and then number two is just pipeline management. That's glass on the roof and that's money made. Um, if without pipeline management, you might not know where your deals are. Neither does the installer, neither, neither does the customer. And you might not never get paid on that. So love it. The last tip uh, to give everybody listening to this is what do you actually do if you get that cancel? What can you do? Thomas just gave us a golden nugget, and it's just you show up. At first, you can be scared because you're trying to call or find a time that works, and really, you just got to show up. 
you just you check it every day. You drive past when you're going to lunch. You drive past when you're going home, when you're going out to area, and you just show up and you do what it takes till you can get in front of them. And I've given this um, advice on other other trainings, but I love the gift cards, right? Like I always have the gift cards in my car, <coughs> and I've just found there's so many things that can go wrong in this industry. It's not a matter of if, it's when. It's it's Murphy's law is solar, right? Something's gonna go wrong at the site survey. The guy's gonna be late. He's not gonna show up. He's gonna smell like alcohol. He's gonna take a piss on the side of the house. He's gonna leave a beer can somewhere. Like you guys know, there's so much unpredictability that could spark a cancellation, right? And so it's not if, it's when. And so my thing is like, look, I'm just gonna apologize and take ownership for no matter who messed up. I'm gonna show up at their house. I'll listen to them. They're going to go through their whole thing and why they're pissed. I'm going to apologize, say sorry, give them a gift card. Then they're going to go into it again. Well, I just can't believe that the guy would do that and whatever. I'm going to listen, you know, and you let them loop through that multiple times, apologize again, and then give a gift card. And that those gift cards, a couple hundred bucks that I ever spent, saved me tens and tens of thousands of dollars. And so I'd have like a 25 a 50 and $100 gift card multiple and depending on how severe the situation was, I would pick and choose which one I felt like was needed. So any other things you guys want to say about that? No. I mean, yeah, I just, I've never really dealt with cancellations very well. Uh, I always take it very personal because I'm like, man, I feel like we had such a good bond. You know, like we spent yeah. three hours in your house together and we signed you up and you just went to Costco and found out that you can get it for a hundred bucks cheaper a month or something. And like, I would, you know, yeah. feel salty about that after a while. I think at the end of the day, you just can't hold it, you know, personal. Um, there's a lot you can do to try and retain those cancels and um, rebuild the value in that close. But at the end of the day, like, I feel like a cancel is going to throw off your your mojo or your, your, your vibes on the day. And you just have to go sell another deal. Like, you just have to move on to the next and uh, just uh, try to fix what you did wrong the last time. Cool. Well, I just want to say thanks for all of you for jumping on. Each of you are so amazing with yourselves. You've been so intentional with your strategy and your performance. So thanks, guys, for jumping on your and your tips. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, thanks. boys.